Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me, if you would, to the book of Genesis. First book in your Bible, Genesis. Genesis chapter, chapter 12. And while you're turning in your Bibles, let me put out a plea, if I could. I've noticed that uh, we have not really had any special music for almost four weeks. Maybe it's more than that. I'm not sure. I'm not counting. But I know it's been a while. I miss our choir. I just do. Uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a creature of habit. And uh, I, uh, I enjoy hearing the choir every Sunday morning. We haven't heard the choir since the month of March, I believe. And, um, but we, and we can't have a choir right now, but, uh, but we certainly can have special music. So if you could help us out with that, uh, if uh, you've done specials before, prepare another one and, and uh, uh, put it together and see Aaron Beam, and I'm sure he will make sure that, uh, that uh, you get an opportunity uh, to, to do the special. Uh, doing, singing like that, it, it's... The, the proper attitude, whether it, be, whether it be singing, whether it be playing an instrument, and I appreciate the people in our church that play instruments. I appreciate all the offertories uh, that we get. Uh, they're good. I mean, they're a blessing. But uh, our attitude needs to be we're not doing it in order to entertain. We're not doing it to perform. That's, I, I absolutely detest when people get up and sing a gospel song in a church and people clap. I'm sorry, that's inappropriate. It's not a performance. It's not a performance. It's, it is a ministry. And it ought to minister to your heart. And it ought to minister to your soul. And um, so look at it that way. And uh, look at an opportunity that God might open up for you to, to uh, prepare a, a special and, uh, and sing. And minister. Amen? All right. Yeah, you should by now be in Genesis chapter 12. Let's all stand together if you would. And look with me in Genesis 12, beginning up in, verse, uh, up in verse 1. It says, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. Thou shalt be a blessing, and I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that, him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. And Lot went with him. And Abram was 70 and five years old when he departed out of Haran. And Abram took Sarai, his wife, and Lot, his son's brother, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran, and they went forth to go into the land of Canaan, and into the land of Canaan they came. And Abram passed through the land unto the place of, uh, of Sichem, uh, unto the plain of Moreh. And the Canaanite was then in the land, and the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And, and there builded he an altar unto the Lord, who appeared unto him. And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord. 
and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed going on still toward the south. And there was a famine in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, it's good to be in your house with your people this morning. It's good to have the freedom that we have to assemble. And uh, Father, help us to never take it for granted. Help us to appreciate it and realize that uh, God, uh, you have designed the local church and you have designed times of assembly to be a time of exhortation, to be a time of encouragement, to be a time of strengthening and be a time of help. And Lord, as your word is lifted up this morning, I pray that that's exactly what would be accomplished. I cannot do that from this pulpit. But Father, you can do it in the hearts of those that hear. You can give them ears to hear and you can, you can speak to their hearts. Father, I pray that uh, you would, would minister this message to each and every one of our hearts. And God, I, I just pray that, that uh, as you speak to us, we'll respond to you. And we'll be careful to give you the credit and the honor and the glory for all that takes place. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. You may be seated. This is a story of Abraham. And Abraham was and is considered the father of the Jews. Now you go to the book of Romans and in the New Testament, and he's recognized as the, the father of our faith. You find that in Romans chapter 4, and you find it in verses 3, 12, and 16. And, 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 and he was the one that God called out. He called him out and said that a, a nation would spring forth from him. At this time, he and his wife were both uh, of... of uh, of a very uh, senior age, shall we say. And uh, they, uh, they, naturally, they could not have children. But God made a promise and said that you will have a child, and, we'll, we'll, and he was going to make sure that, that was done supernaturally. And uh, he was, uh, promised them to, that not only would he have a child, but that child would, be, would eventually, through, through the, the generations, would become... A mighty nation and that God would bless those that bless that nation and curse those that curse that nation of course that that nation is Israel well this was this is the beginning this is where you you find Abraham starting out and doing that which God called him to do what he did simply was he said listen I'm not going to tell you how long you're going to go I'm not going to tell you how far you're going to go I'm not going to tell you when when you're going to necessarily stop but I want you to journey and I want you to journey for me I want you to leave your homeland and so by the instruction of God Abram went ahead and left. He left all that he was familiar with. He left all that he knew, and he began to follow the Lord. Now, again, we call Abraham a, 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 the father of faith. But you need to understand something. Uh, anytime that we begin to believe in God, trust God, depend upon God, uh, the Lord will send tests into our lives. And he sends those tests for a purpose. He doesn't send those tests to beat us up. He doesn't send those tests because he's upset with us. He sends those tests because he knows without the tests, the faith will stay stagnant. But as the tests are passed, 
our faith will grow. It tells us over in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 7 that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. But the praise and the honor and the glory can't come without the testing. And so really just shortly after Abraham uh, took off and started to journey and follow the Lord, uh, he immediately found himself being tested. He found his faith being tested. And we're going to take a look this morning at uh, how God tests our faith. He did this to Abraham. He's going to do that to you. He's going to do that to me. If you're saved, if you've trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, you've come to a point in your life where you realize you're a sinner on your way to hell. The only way you can go to heaven is by putting all your faith and all your trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ. I love what Christ said on the cross when he said, it is finished. What do you mean by that? The payment had been made. The, the total payment for your sin. You, can't, you cannot uh, add one, one bit to that payment. You cannot take away one bit from that payment. It's the total payment that was necessary for our sins. And we need to come to Christ and just simply believe on Him and Him alone to be our Savior, to take away all our sins, and to give us eternal life. And when a person does that, steps out by faith, and trusts Christ as Savior for the, the eternal welfare of their soul, from that day forward, God starts developing our faith. Well, the way He develops it and the way the faith grows is by testing. And so we're going to take a look at three tests that God used in the life of Abraham. And I, I just, I want to once again just reiterate, these are the same three things that God uses in our lives in order to grow our faith. First one, look down in verse 10. It says, And there was a, a famine in the land, and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there, for the famine was grievous in the land. Now, what God used to, to begin to test Abram's faith was a famine. In other words, he used circumstance, something that was beyond his control. It had, it had nothing to do with Abraham. It had everything to do with the circumstances surrounding him. Uh, you know, you, you look at that and you might say, well, why, why, does, why does God do that? Why, why is it when we step out on faith, he seemingly, you know, rewards us, so to speak, with trials and with testing? Um, I know this is something that real early, particularly in the ministry, I don't know that I, I, I picked it up in the first part of my Christian life, the first few years, but when I finally entered into the ministry, I, I realized that, you know, just because you're smack dab in the middle of God's will doing what God wants you to do doesn't mean everything's going to come up peaches and roses. Doesn't mean that everything's going to be, be uh, on the sunny side of the street. And there's a reason for that, and it's not... Again, it's not because God's just putting his thumb on you. No, he's testing your faith. And as that faith is tested, it, it purifies and it becomes as gold. And you started out by faith and you will leave this world by faith. I mean, faith is the thing that God is interested in. 
in, in developing in your life and mine. So, so why did God, God allow it? Uh, you know, we, we, we look at it and we say, well, if, if I'm doing right, you know, I do right, I get a blessing. I do right again, I get another blessing. I do right, I get another blessing. I do wrong, I get a curse. <laughs> I get a problem. I get a difficulty. Let me tell you what really happens. You do right and you get a problem. <laughs> and, and, and again, it's, it's, it's so that God can take that faith that you have stepped out and, and trusted him with and began to do something for God. And God wants to see if it's genuine. He wants to see if it's real. Well, in this case, God used a famine. And what, what, uh, the way that Abram responded to that famine is he immediately went to Egypt. Now understand how God dealt and worked in the life of Abraham. This is before uh, they had a written Bible. Uh, Abraham did not have an Old Testament and a New Testament. He didn't have any Testament. And so what he went by was the verbal instruction of God. And God came to him and told him specifically what he wanted him to do. And when he saw the famine, he did not wait for God. He just took things into his own hands and he went down into Egypt. Now, you go all the way through the Bible, and one of the things that you'll find is that Egypt is a type of the world. Over and over and over again it is. And, uh, and, and uh, so what he did was he went to the world to get relief rather than stay where God wanted him to stay and, and to uh, do that which God wanted him to do. Uh, one of the things that I have noticed I've seen it in my own life. I've seen the pattern is all the way through Scripture. That tests often follow triumphs. They often follow, follow times of, of victory, times of blessing. And, uh, and, and uh, you, you see this in the Scripture. When, when uh, God released um, Israel from Egypt... And the, the, the Passover was done. God passed over the Israelite homes, but he went to all the Egyptian homes and killed the firstborn in every single house. And so Pharaoh finally had had it, and he went ahead and released, released Israel. Well, that was a blessing. That was a victory. But then Pharaoh decided to follow him. And uh, he did. He got his armies together. He followed Israel. And they went all the way to the Red Sea, and they were stopped. They were at an impasse. And, and uh, God delivered them uh, from that by, by opening a way through the Red Sea. Right after that, right after that victory, they, they uh, went to a place in the desert, and there was no water. And uh, God finally, uh, finally uh, went ahead and, and uh, delivered them through that. And then they went into a, another situation where they had no food and another situation where they were, they were attacked by the Amalekites. It just seemed like to be one after another after another. And what God was doing was trying to develop their faith. Um, you know, you, you're going to have problems in the Christian life. You're going to have difficulties. Uh, everything, like I said, doesn't come up roses just because you got saved. But, but there's two things you can always depend on. Number one, God is with you. He said he'd never leave us. He said he'd never forsake us. So number one, God is, God is with you. And number two, uh, the, the tests and the trials and the problems are always for, for good and for glory. 
Therefore, our good for his good and also for his glory. And so understand that, that the, this whole process, whenever we, we go up against seemingly brick walls, we're going up against those brick walls because God wants to test our faith. Um, it, you know, these, these kind of problems and difficulties, circumstances that are beyond our control, they, they teach us dependence. And they, they knock down pride in a person's life, tears down that independent spirit that we often have where we think that we can get it done, we can do it. Here just recently, during, uh, during the, the, uh, um, the, uh, the shutdown in New York State when, after we had had a, a great big peak, our, our, uh, uh, we finally got that thing down and uh, got that thing down to a manageable place. And um, our governor made a statement. And he said, God did not level the curve. We did. Be careful of those kind of comments. And I'm not saying that to be disrespectful of our governor. He's the one who said it. Uh, be careful of those kind of comments. Be careful of those kind of attitudes. You may not say that, but sometimes by our actions and by our attitudes, we, we exhibit that. Um, here, here's the, the bottom line with a situation with a famine. Running is never the answer. You don't run from problems. You get grace and you trust God and you get the power and strength of God to go through the problems. And sometimes God will deliver you from the problems. Sometimes God will take you through the problems. But stay where God has you, doing what God has you to do until he makes it clear that he doesn't want you to be there anymore. That doesn't mean that God doesn't ever move us. And I, and I will even go so far as to say that that uh, that doesn't mean that God doesn't move us in the middle of trouble. I, there are times when he does, but you make sure it's God, not you. Because running away from a problem is never the answer. And uh, unbelief causes restlessness, it causes fear, and... Uh, uh, you know, God, God was, had given instruction to, uh, to, to Abram, but the instruction never included a word about Egypt. So that wasn't God's idea. That was his idea. And, uh, and again, running is never the answer. He, he would have been better off staying in the famine and staying smack dab in the middle of the will of God. But he didn't. He went down into Egypt. Then the second thing that God uses is not only circumstances to try our faith, but he also uses people to try our faith. Look with me in verse uh, 11, if you would, of uh, Genesis 12. In verse 11, it says, And it came to pass, when he was come near to enter into Egypt, that he said unto Sarai his wife, Behold now, I know that thou art a fair woman to look upon. Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, This is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Say, I pray thee, thou art my sister, that it may be well with, with me for, for thy sake, and my soul shall live because of thee. And it came to pass that when Abram was come into Egypt, the Egyptians beheld the woman that was uh, beheld the woman that she was very fair. 
the princes also of Pharaoh saw her and commended her before Pharaoh, and the woman was taken into Pharaoh's house. And he entered and, and he entreated uh, Abram well for her sake. And he had sheep and oxen and he asses and men servants and maid servants and she asses and camels. And the Lord plagued Pharaoh and his house with great plagues because of Sarai, Abram's wife. And Pharaoh called Abram and said, What is this that thou hast done unto me? Why didst thou not tell me that she was thy wife? Why didst thou say she is my sister? So I might have taken her uh, to me to, to wife. Now therefore, behold thy wife, take her and go thy way. And Pharaoh commanded his men concerning him, and they sent him away and his wife and all that he had. Now continue with me down in chapter 13, verse 1. It says, And Abram went out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. And Abram was very rich in cattle and silver and in gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. God uses, God uses to, in this particular case, took the people of Egypt and used those people to, to try and test uh, Abram's faith. Uh, second thing that he uses is he uses people. He uses other people to try our faith. Um, all Abraham uh, did was trade a famine for people problems. And, you know, when you, when you run like that from a problem and a situation, often the problems that you eventually run to end up being greater problems than the problems that you faced before you took off. There were, and when, when, when Abram did this, there were some obvious noticeable changes in his behavior. For instance, he stopped trusting God and he started to scheme. He started to finagle. He started to make his own plans rather than God's plans. And you can see that by some things. There was no altar that he built in Egypt. There was no inquiry of God. You don't, you don't find any mention of him spending time in prayer at all. Uh, he, he, he started to finagle and, he, he, and, and when he did that, the trouble started to build and got, got greater and greater. Second change you find in his life, when, uh, when he responded wrongly to the, to the, pe to the, the situation was, was uh, he traded confidence for fear. Uh, he had confidence in his God, and that's why he left his home. But now he traded confidence for fear when he went into Egypt. He had fear of God, and, and uh, uh, he, he had had the fear of God, and the fear of God conquers all other fears. But if you look with me down in verse 12, it says, Therefore it shall come to pass, when the Egyptians shall see thee, that they shall say, this is, thy, thy, this is his wife, and they will kill me, but they will save thee alive. Um, there's no mention of what God will do, but it's, it's only what he would do, what he planned, what he schemed. And, and God is totally 
omitted from his reasoning. Um, he, he makes, there's comments made like, they shall say, they will kill me. They will, will uh, save thee. The focus is on what the people will do. Uh, no focus at all on what God will do to protect him and to help him through the, the, through the situation. He, he, uh, he omitted God from his reasoning and from his, from his thought process. He stopped looking unto God and started, started looking to people. And he traded in, what he did is he traded in faith for humanism, humanistic reasoning, humanistic thinking. Uh, we've got to be so careful of that whenever we have any kind of problems, whether it be people problems or whether it be circumstantial problems. One of the, the things I have seen is a lot of human reasoning with this, with this uh, business with COVID. And uh, whenever you start to, to enter into human reasoning, you will always hit two things. You'll hit, you'll hit hypocrisy and you'll, you'll hit uh, conflicts. You'll, you'll, you'll hit things that are, that are double standards. And, uh, and you'll see that every single time. Uh, because, because what we, we do is we, we operate by fear, fear of people and circumstances rather than fear of the Lord. Another thing that he traded is he traded the, the, uh, the attitude of being a beneficial to others for being beneficial to himself. He wasn't looking out for God. He wasn't looking out for God's reputation. He was looking out for Abram. Yeah, he was more concerned of his welfare even than he was his wife's. He really put his wife by saying that she was his sister. Uh, he really put his wife in a, in a precarious situation. And Pharaoh even said that. He said, listen, he said, I, I, said, I would have taken her for wife. And he even realized even a heathen king understood that that was the wrong thing to do. And he was upset with, with Abraham, Abram for putting him into that kind of position. And uh, it, just, it just shows you that when, as husbands, when we get out of God's will, we put other people in our family in danger. That's why, guys, it is so important as a husband, as a leader of the home, uh, as the head of the house, that, that you, you make sure that you're following God and you make sure that you're smack dab in the middle of God's will. Because if you don't, you could not only be endangering yourself, but you could also be endangering your family. Then the, the, the last thing that he traded uh, with his response to the people was he traded blessing for judgment. Uh, Abram was to be the, the recipient and, and the source of blessing. He, he, he was to be the one that was to be blessed, and he was also to be the source of blessing for, for, for others that came upon him. And uh, uh, he, he ended up instead being in a position, not a blessing, but a, in a position of judgment. And, and you see this again throughout Scripture. One of the places that comes to mind is when, when uh, uh, Jonah was running from God, and again, running from a problem, running from a situation, and uh, something that he did not want to do. He did not want to go to Nineveh. He did not want to warn them about coming judgment. And so he ran, he took off, and he went into a ship, and they got out into the ocean, and there was a storm. And uh, the, the, the men of the boat came, came down and woke him up. He was asleep. 
and uh, asked him why all this was taking place. And he said, well, I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem's me. He says, you throw me off the boat and things will calm down for you. And sure enough, they threw him off the boat and things calmed down for him. When, when we get out of place and we get out of God's will, we put, we put other people in danger. We're no longer the, the source of blessing for others. We're the source of problems and we're the source of curse for others. And, and when he went into Egypt, he brought some things back. And the things he brought back was, he brought back Hagar, who was a handmaid. I'm sorry, every time I say her name, I think of the comic strip, Hagar the Horrible. I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't do that, but I do. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, he, he brought her back. He, it would, he didn't have her going in. Uh, he brought back riches, and he brought back in Lot the taste of Egypt. And we'll see that here in just a minute. But those are the things that, that, uh, that he brought with him because he went down to Egypt. You know, at first glance, if you were to look at, if you were to look at the decision that, that Abraham made to go down into Egypt when the famine hit, you would say, well, you know, there's really not, not uh, uh, much that really took place. There's not, you know, it was just a little sidetrack, and then he finally got back on track again. And, and did that which was right. But that sidetrack ended up eventually being very costly. And as you look down through all the things that happened with that trip, you'll see why that's the case. For example, he, he, when, he, when he took action uh, matters into his own hands, he, what he did was he got out of fellowship with God because he was no longer following what God would have him to do. He lied about his wife, which he, he should not have done. Now, you say, yeah, but she technically was his half-sister. Yeah, but he was, she was also his wife, and he should have told Pharaoh that, but he didn't. He lost his testimony before, before uh, Pharaoh and that whole country and all of his men. Uh, he ob obtained an Egyptian member of his, of his family, the, the handmaid that he brought out, and that ended up causing him trouble later on uh, because uh, th through that, through that uh, because she was, she was her handmaid, uh, his wife, Sarah, suggested that, uh, that what they do is, is he go in under her and have a child because God hadn't given him a child yet and figured, well, the time was up. But the time's not up for her, so why don't you go in under her? And, uh, and they ended up having Ishmael. I got news for you. Ishmael's been giving Israel trouble from that day till this. And, and uh, that, that, was, that was a terrible thing that took place, and that started with him bringing back uh, bringing back an Egyptian handmaid. He, the other thing he did was he brought back Egyptian riches. He brought back some riches. And those riches ended up causing him real trouble. His uh, journey to Egypt uh, had a bad influence on Lot. Lot developed a taste for, for Egypt, a taste for the world, and he ended up going and, and settling in Sodom. Uh, he weakened himself in his resistance against sin. Uh, because he had an opportunity later on to do the same thing, and he did it. He lied again. Once you give in, you weaken that resistance, and your tendency is, is greater to, to uh, uh, do it again. Abraham was a, was a bad example to his son, Isaac. You say, well, wait a minute, hold it. 
Isaac wasn't even born yet. Uh, Isaac wasn't, uh, you know, wasn't even, even conceived at this point, uh, let alone born. You're right. But the Bible says that the iniquity of the fathers can be passed on to the second and the third generation. And we need to be so careful. Uh, you, you look at Isaac's life, and Isaac did the exact same thing that his father did, only he didn't tell a half-truth. He told a full-fledged, all-in-all-out lie. And uh, uh, when, when we as fathers uh, get weak in an area, we pass that weakness on, whether they see it, whether they know about it or not, uh, we pass that weakness on to our children. And that's what Abraham did. And he, was a, he was a bad example. Uh, then Abraham lost the time that he could have used to serve God. That time could never be, could never be restored. The Bible says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. So because of his wrong response to the people, uh, he, he ended up having, having further problems later on. And that was an area where he failed the test. He failed the test with people. He failed the test with, with, uh, uh, with the, the circumstances, with the famine. However, the next test he got, we, we find down in verse, begins in verse 5 of chapter 13. Look with me in verse 5, if you would. In Genesis 5, 5 and, and or excuse me, 13, verse 5, says this. It says, and, and Lot also, which went with Abram, had flocks and herds and tents, and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together. For their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle, and the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled then in the land. And Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zoar. Then Lot chose him all the plain of Jordan, and Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. And the Lord said unto Abram after that, after that Lot was separated from him, lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land which thou seest to thee will I give it and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. Then Abram removed his tent, and came and dwelt in the land of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar 
unto the Lord. The, uh, the last thing that God used to test his faith was things, material things. Uh, he, he must have learned something from the first two tests. Because even though he, he failed those tests, when he comes to the third test, he passes it. And he passes it with flying colors. Abram determined some things when he came to this situation. And the first thing that he determined was that he was not going to have strife. Uh, Lot's herdsmen and his herdsmen were clashing. And he said, look, we're not going to do this. We're not going to have strife. We're not going to have, have problems. Uh, we're going we're to resolve the difficulties. And he, he looked for a solution. That's one thing you got to give to Abrams. And sometimes his solutions were not so good, like when he went into Agar. But he was always looking for solutions. He didn't focus on the problem. He focused on the answer to the problem. And so he looked for a solution. And, and in so doing, he gave up his right to make a choice. Remember who he was. He wasn't just Abram to Lot. He was Uncle Abram. All right? He was his uncle. And uh, he uh, uh, really had the right to make the first choice. But he gave that right up to Lot, and he let Lot choose first. Um, you know what? Uh, he, I, think, I think he was beginning to, to understand and see that, that uh, covetousness uh, is not the answer. And, and covetousness, you see, this, you see this through the Bible. You see this in, just in everyday life. Covetousness brings strife. Covetousness brings conflict. And he saw that, so he gave up his personal right, and he let him go ahead and, and make the, the first choice. The second thing that he learned was that he got a hold of, and the principle that he, he grasped onto, was to live for others and not for self. Now, again, when he was in Egypt, he put himself before even the safety of his own wife. But here he decides to, to live for others and not to live for his own self and for his own desires. He, he saw in Egypt, while he was there, what selfish living produced. And, and you know, there's no indication in Scripture that, that uh, this was the thought process, but there's a very good possibility that he, he saw the heathenism, and he saw it, he saw it uh, attached to the lavish living and getting everything that you wanted. And he said, listen, that's not what I want for my family. That's not what I want for myself. That's not the kind of life I want to have before my God. And uh, he, he saw in Egypt what that selfish living produced. He, he, had the, he had the right to tell Lot what to do, but he decided not to do so. He put Lot before himself. The third thing that, that he grasped a hold of was to live by faith and not by sight. And he had done just the opposite when he went to Egypt. He lived by sight and not by faith. He, he uh, uh, left an altar when he went into Egypt. If you go back with me to verse 8 in chapter 12. It says, And he removed from thence unto a mountain on the east of Bethel, and pitched his tent, having Bethel on the west and Hai on the east. And there he built an altar unto the Lord, and called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed, going on still toward the south. And then in verse 10 it says, There was famine in the land, and immediately he took off for Egypt. You don't find, while he's in Egypt, you don't find him building an altar, you don't find him 
You don't find him uh, calling on God. You don't find him having fellowship with him. You don't find anything about, about his prayer life. It's just non-existent. And, and so he, he was living by sight there. And now when he got out of Egypt, he realized that he was living by sight. And he needed to live by faith. And one of the things he did was he returned to that altar. Go to chapter 13 and look down at verses 3 and 4. After he left Egypt, says he went on his journey from uh, the south even to Bethel, unto the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Hai, unto the place of the altar, which he had made there at the first. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. He did it before he went into Egypt and didn't do it at all in Egypt. And then when he came back out of Egypt, one of the first places he went was he, he went to that altar. He returned to the altar. And his heart was right when it came to things, when it came to material, material substance. Uh, it's interesting to note some things about Lot. Lot never had an altar. You don't find anywhere where, where Lot ever built an altar. You don't find anywhere any reference to Lot's prayer life. Uh, you just don't find it. And, and when he made his decision in, in, as to where to go, he made that whole decision based upon what he saw. Bible says he looked towards Sodom, says he looked, uh, excuse me, he pitched his tent towards Sodom, and then he moved eventually into Sodom. Uh, he, he went all by sight, and not by faith, and Abram finally grabbed the hold of the concept that, listen, it's more important to live by faith, not by sight. The fourth thing that, that he grasped a hold of was to, to let God choose for him. To let God choose for him. Uh, Lot took what he wanted and lost everything that he had. Abram gave up the land. He gave up his choice. He, he gave it first to, 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 uh, to Lot. And in so doing, God showed him the land that he was going to give him, and he gave him more land. He gave him innumerable descendants, and he, he gave him the blessings of God. Uh, Abram certainly was the, lead, was the winner in this thing, and he was a winner because he understood that he needed, when it comes to things, he needed to walk by faith. He, uh, he, he wanted to have what God wanted him to have. That ought to be our attitude. Uh, you know, when, when we have a desire to, to buy something, when we have a desire to obtain something, whether it's to uh, uh, buy a thing or to obtain, uh, obtain employment, whatever it is, we need to put it before God and make sure that it's something that God wants us to have and not just ourselves. And one of the ways that you'll do that is by giving up your personal right to make the choice. And you put it in God's hands, and you can do it in different ways. The way that, that Abram did it was he brought Lot over. He said, look, you choose. Whatever you choose, you go that way, and I'll go the other way. And uh, that way there won't be a conflict between our herdmen. And uh, so he basically just he gave up his own personal rights so that God could be honored and God could be glorified. And the, the, the last thing that he, that he grabbed a hold of was that he, was, he grabbed a hold of being grateful and thankful to God for what he had. He built an altar, and he built this altar out of gratitude, and he built it out of desire, and he built it out of love. 
he learned how to, how to trust God rather than take things into his own hands. He learned how to trust God rather than to manipulate things. He, he learned how to trust God rather than lying and scheming. And uh, he, he saw that, that God would and could take care of him. And, and he observed that time and time again in his life. God wants to use circumstances and people and things to build our faith. Satan has a, a design on, on, on our lives as well. He wants to take those same things. He wants to take circumstances, people, and things to destroy our faith. You know, not everything that we get, not every opportunity that comes our way is from God. And we need to, we need to understand and we need to get into the book so that we have some discernment and we need to know what's of God and what's not. Because again, on one hand, God wants to build our faith through, through, through those things and Satan would like to destroy our faith. In, in two instances, uh, with, with circumstances and with people, uh, Abram failed the test. But when he finally got to the things, he says, you know what? I give up. I, I, I give, I quit. I'm going to quit doing this my own way and I'm going to let God have his way. Um, you know, what's, what's sad is that most of us have to go through the same kind of thing that Abram went through. We have to bump our nose a couple of times and do it the wrong way before we finally see what way God would have us to go. But, but he finally did do it the right way. And, uh, and God used, used all of those things, the circumstances, the people, and, and then the, uh, the things in his life to build, our, to build his faith. He does the same thing for you. He does the same thing for me. The bottom line is the choice is ours. What will we choose? Will we let God build our faith? Or will we, by our decisions, destroy it? Let's bow our heads for prayer. Father, I'm so thankful for the fact that we have a God we can trust. We have a God we can depend upon. And a person's journey in faith begins when they trust you as Savior, when they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that day forward, it's a time of building their faith. And, and Lord, that's your desire. Your desire is for our faith not to be destroyed, not to be knocked down, but to be built, built up and strengthened. God, I pray that you would use the things that we have seen in the life of Abram this morning and use it to speak to our hearts. Are, are we allowing the circumstances that you've put into our lives? And the circumstances, circumstances in America have been crazy lately, just absolutely crazy. And Lord, you know that. I, I, I believe with all my heart that you're using COVID in order to build the faith of your people. Now, because of our response and because of our reaction, sometimes rather than having that, that faith built, it's really being destroyed. We're being a bad example to lost people. They don't see us respond sometimes any differently than they do. Then they ought to see a difference. They ought to see a difference because of faith and trust in you. Same with people, same with things. 
Uh, again, oftentimes the world looks at how we handle conflicts and the world looks at, at, at our own covetousness and says, boy, you know what? They're no different than we are. God, I pray that you would help us to, to realize that those three things come into our lives in various forms so that our faith can be built and strengthened. God, I pray that, that our desire this morning would be to have stronger faith this year than we had last year. God, I pray that you would bless this, this, this time together as we give the invitation, speak to hearts, and, and may folks respond to you. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Let's stand with our heads bowed.